peace of Christ be with you. Let us take a few deep breaths together so that we may feel the spirit that's present with us and open our hearts to that spirit. Friends, near and far, let us worship now in beloved community. Please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. Almighty God, you bring us together as one body. Let us worship together as Christ's body. Gracious God, you claim us as your beloved children. Let our hearts rejoice. Through our Lord and Savior, you give us new life. In Jesus Christ, we rejoice. be seated. I do want to welcome you to worship at Westminster this morning. It is good to be with you today. A special welcome to those of uh, who are joining us online via our live stream. It is good to be worshiping with you as well. If you're new to Westminster, if you're visiting with us either in person or online, a special welcome to you. What a joy it is to be together in worship. Let's join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray. Loving God, you nourish us with your word and abide within us. Yet often we let our worries distract us from fully knowing you. Open our eyes to your everlasting presence. Help us to be the bread of life to others. Deepen 
hearts, minds, and souls. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, know that even when our worries may distract us from God, God certainly is never distracted from us. God continues to love us abundantly and unconditionally. For in Christ we are forgiven, we are set free. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Uh, And now is the time when we like to share with one another share our joys and our concerns so we can be in prayer for one another and prayer for our community. So if you have something to share, I invite you to just raise your hand and let us know. Yeah, Bruce. Amen. Jenny Quick's dad died last week. And I would add to that also Kathy Peterson, whose dad also died last week. So prayers for both Jenny and Kathy. Yeah, Barb. Amen. Prayers for the people of Afghanistan. And then Barbara's remembering with thanksgiving the many Westminster members who have traveled there throughout the years in, in I would say, missions of peace. Yeah, Harbo. Uh, also for the people of Haiti who seem to be having a particularly bad decade. <laughs> <laughs> yes, prayers for the people of Haiti. Harbo mentions they've been having a particularly bad decade. You know, this, this most recent earthquake, only one of many things that that nation has had to deal with. Others? Yeah, Michael. Prayers for um, friends of Donna who passed away from COVID. Yeah. Michael offers uh, prayers for the family of his friend Donna who recently died from COVID. Others? Yeah, Chris. So Chris offers both a joy and a concern, a joy that uh, related to COVID here in the Bay Area, we are doing well. Um, and Chris says we're doing well, you know, because we've embraced the practices we need to embrace and then offers prayers for those states, especially those states in the South where people are being turned away from medical care because there just isn't any room. Anyone else? Let's have just a few moments of quiet as we hold all these prayers in our hearts, and then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. So let us pray. 
Gracious God, you hear our prayers, and we are filled with gratitude for the many, many ways that you show up in our lives, that you walk with us through our lives. We give you thanks. And hear us now, O oh God, as together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debtors, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Well, I understand that you all
Our first scripture reading this morning is Psalm 111. Listen for how the Spirit may be speaking to you through these words. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright, in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of honor and majesty is God's work, and God's righteousness endures forever. God has gained renown by God's wonderful deeds. The Lord is gracious and merciful. God provides food for those who fear God. God is ever mindful of God's covenant. God has shown God's people the power of God's works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of God's hands are faithful and just. All God's precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. God sent redemption to God's people. God has commanded God's covenant forever. Holy and awesome is God's name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. God's praise endures forever. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks, Thanks. be to God. First of all, I have to thank Rob. He let me use his headset today so that I could <laughs> read the, from the pulpit. So thank you, Rob. The second reading today is from the book of John in the New Testament, chapter 6, verses 51 to 58. Listen to what the Spirit has to say today. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. And my flesh is the true food, and my blood is the true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, I, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven not like that which your ancestors ate and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. This is holy wisdom, holy word. When I was in high school, I had an engaging English teacher named Mrs. Elias. She knew how to make stories come to life. And so when we read the Canterbury Tales, we got to dress up 
and have uh, dinner together as if we were at a medieval banquet. And the best part was that we got to eat with our hands. She explained that they didn't use knives and forks back then at a body banquet. So we pulled the flesh from these large, fleshy, greasy pieces of turkey and, and used our fingers and we pulled the meat off with our teeth and we gnawed on the bones. We drank out of big metal cups filled with mead, which was really grape juice, and our fists and faces were filled with grease and juice, and we were so engrossed in the experience, even though it felt so barbaric. We were all in, you would say. Well, in the Gospel of John, we are given a shocking image of another banquet of sorts. Jesus says, the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Eat Jesus's flesh? The words may still shock us today, maybe even sound cannibalistic or kind of creepy. Drink my blood? But the words are meant to shock. They are meant to say, get off the fence. Either you are all in and believe that Jesus is the divine and is sent by God, or you don't. If you believe you are invited to partake in the body of Christ, then you will know God. But we must have that visceral, physical reminder of the visceral, physical Jesus who came down from God in the person of Jesus. We must take the physical bread and dip it in the physical wine or grape juice as a reminder of God's physical presence in Jesus Christ. Jesus' flesh and blood is not, of course, the actual physical flesh and blood of Jesus, although it sounds that way with such graphic language. It's a symbol that points to all that Jesus represents. Jesus, the Christ, or the Messiah, the Son of God, and the one who was sent by the Father. That claim is the whole point of the Gospel of John. And once we know God, we too can get our hands dirty and do the work of God in the world. Let's take a closer look at what was happening when the book of John was written around 100 current era. You see, at the time of John's gospel, a small Jewish sect of people who were followers of Jesus Christ were being challenged by other Jewish followers who did not believe enough in Jesus to take part in the act of communion. So when we hear the Jews ask, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? John is not using the term the Jews pejoratively, as it tragically has been misused for centuries in the Christian tradition. No, of course, Jesus was a Jew. So Jesus was referring to those Jews who could not buy into his claim of divinity and meaning of the eating of his flesh. And certainly, 
they would be offended by the idea of drinking blood, especially given the purity laws in the Old Testament. In fact, in the Gospel of John, many of the followers of Jesus turned away after Jesus' astonishing proclamation that he is the living bread that must be eaten to bring life to the world. So the Jews here in John's Gospel are stand-ins for non-believers. And secondly, the listeners, as Jews, would have been familiar with the story of Moses and the wilderness wandering of the Israelites when God sent manna down from heaven. But manna did not last. But this bread offers everlasting nourishment. So once we know God, we too can get our hands dirty and do the work of God. But sometimes we enter into believing in Christ reluctantly. And so it was with Barbara Brown Taylor. You may be familiar with Taylor, the Episcopalian priest and prolific author. Would it surprise you that she didn't come to Jesus until she was in college? That's right. After two young evangelical Christians came to her room with their Bibles, she prayed. They prayed with her, and then she got down on her knees and claimed Jesus as her Lord and Savior. She explains in her book, The Preaching Life, that she did it partly out of curiosity and partly to get them out of her room. (laughs) And then she explains, all I know is that something happened, something that got my attention and has kept it through all these years that have passed. I may have been fooling around, but Jesus was not. My heart may not have been in it, but Jesus's was. I asked him to come in, and he came in. Although I no more have words for his presence in my life than I do for what keeps the stars in the sky and the daffodils coming up in the spring. It just is. He just is. Who are you? I am. That is the answer the Pharisees, she said, could not accept because they could not see through it. It was opaque for them a claim that caused terrible problems for them, no matter how they looked at it. Whether Jesus was speaking for God or instead of God, he was way, way out of line, claiming the equality with God, who had no equals. And the way they saw it, he was the only one great I am, and Jesus was not it. She continues, but there is another way to view his answer, not as opaque and transparent, the answer of someone who does not claim equality with God, but intimacy, whose being is so wrapped up with the being of God that when he says, I am, there is no difference between the two. When you look at him, you see God, and when you hear him, you hear God not because he's taken God's place, but because he is the clear window God has glazed into flesh and blood, the porthole 
between this world and the next, and the passageway between heaven and earth. We cannot nail him down, she said. We tried once, but he got loose. And ever since then, he's been the walking, talking presence of God in our midst, the living presence of God in our lives. If we cannot say who he is in 25 words or less, it's because he is our window on the undefinable, the unfathomable I am. And we cannot sum him up any easier than we can sum up the one who sent him. Who are you? This is the only question worth asking. I am. That is the only answer we need, she concludes. So now let us take a look at the Eucharistic overtones in the passage of John. How has the life-giving, hands-on work of communion been represented in Christian tradition? Certainly, the passage in John of the blood and flesh has those overtones, but his gospel is different in a few significant ways from the three other gospel stories of Matthew, Mark, and John. For John's gospel uses the symbol of the bread of life and the I am statement, which indicates Christ's divine nature, while Matthew, Mark, and Luke do not use John's graphic description of flesh and blood. Matthew, Mark, and Luke use the more familiar take, eat, this is my body. And John's gospel does not tell the communion story at the Last Supper, but after the feeding of the 5,000, before the Passover. But the stories all point to the same Jesus Christ who came into the world for the life of the world. God wanted everyone to know that he sent Jesus or God sent Jesus, so that everyone who believes could get their hands dirty and do the work of God in community here with others. Once we know God, we too can get our hands dirty and do the work of God, sometimes when we are not even planning on it. It can be sacred work. Like when the young teenaged girl in Mrs. Elias's English class ended up going all in. She turned toward Christ again 15 years ago in this church after her breast cancer diagnosis, which is in remission. She went to seminary and became a hospital chaplain. She knows that God's presence channeled through her when she sat with cancer patients in the hospital two years ago in the most sacred work she could ever imagine she would do. And that young girl in Mrs. Elias's class is me. And as I stand before you as a parish associate preaching the word of God, I know that God does indeed work in mysterious ways. Once we know God, we too can get our hands dirty and do the work of God as a church, sometimes in big ways and sometimes in small ways. William Sloan Coffin, the late 
Yale University chaplain and minister at Riverside Church in New York City, talked about communion with God and how it can spur us into action. In one of his sermons, he said, I have a special fondness for the communion service. Food is the most basic affirmation of life, and the bread of heaven feeds my soul. But the bread is not only a symbol of Jesus, it is also symbolic of the church that calls itself the body of Christ. I believe that as members of Christ's church, Christians are brought together in one loaf to be broken, to feed the world. I believe Christians could make an enormous difference in this world, and maybe, by God's grace, maybe even save it. The only question is, if we will. Amen.
Amen. You may be seated. Brooke, seeing you preach so comfortably and uh, glowing almost in your delivery, it's easy to forget that you haven't been doing this your whole career. And uh, it hit me partway through. Just a few years ago, you were sitting there. Now you're sitting here. And may God continue to bless you and all of you. On your ongoing journeys, you never know where they will lead. (laughs) As always, there is much going on in the life of this beloved community. I will highlight just a couple of items, but encourage you, as always, to check out the rest in your bulletin and your e-news and the website. Today, after worship, at about 11.30, after you've had a chance to connect with friends and greet newcomers with some refreshments in the garden, I invite you to Spiritual Life book group unveiling. Where will you all meet, Stefan? Right there. Just right out here in the garden. The Spiritual Life Group, which is a really vibrant commission supporting the spiritual growth of the members of this congregation, has been hosting a wonderful book study over the past uh, at least year, and they're reading excellent things, and they will reveal the next book today. So let the uh, tension build and show up at 1130 to find out, uh, and maybe try it out. And maybe invite a friend to try it out. Uh, The conversations are really rich indeed. And in a time of COVID, uh, connecting even virtually in that kind of way has been really important. So I invite you to that. On August 22nd, uh, get the word out to those with school children. We'll be doing a blessing of the backpacks here in the sanctuary. So we bless our young people off for school, knowing all that they face in this time uh, on top of the usual Uh, anxieties that can come with the school year. So we want to send them off on a good note. We will be having a a Q&A around uh, COVID with Dr. Chris Caldwell. Uh, In the coming weeks, we've just been having trouble finding a date, but we're going to look for a Sunday, probably Labor Day weekend, but we're not sure yet, where uh, those of you who come to church can stay after for a QA. and a And those who don't feel comfortable or for whatever reason can't make it to church can zoom in and we'll have a hybrid meeting. So just stay tuned for that. Uh, One more. As we have done in Advent in the past, we're going to be offering some one-word devotions. You may remember earlier in the summer, I asked you to write down in your bulletin one word that describes your experience of re-emerging after the pandemic, or we might say trying to re-emerge because these things come and Steps forward and steps backward. And uh, as part of that, I'll be offering one uh, devotionals on each of the words that you provided. Those will appear on our social media outlets. There'll also be uh, voice versions on the podcast. And if you haven't subscribed to uh, the church's podcast, I encourage you to do so. The WPC Daily Dose is the name of the one where those devotions will appear. And you can find that wherever you can find your podcasts. In addition to Prayers that I offer there, Bethany often um, posts songs that she is singing, and it's a wonderful way to be blessed throughout the week. I believe that's it for the highlights there. I want to do something now, very briefly, which is to call a congregational meeting. This is part of our polity, the way we work. Pastors just can't make things happen. You have to make things happen. So I'm going to invite you to do that right now. So I will call this meeting to order and declare that we have a quorum here, because we do. Uh, The worship service will serve as our opening prayer. 
Uh, our clerk was unable to be here sort of last minute, so I'm going to uh, appoint a clerk. I'm wondering, Sharon, if you might just, all you'll have to do is make a note of the action we take, uh, and I can walk you through that after if need be, but if you would just jot that down or, or sign something afterwards so that way we know this was recorded. The purpose for this meeting is to reinstall Elder Harbo Jensen uh, as an active member of the session. Ron Meserve and his spouse, Del Larson, will be leaving us. They'll be moving to South Carolina, which is uh, uh, hard for me to take, quite frankly, but we want to bless them on their journey, which we will do next week. But Ron vacates a couple of key positions, including the finance chair, a member of personnel committee, as, and as an active elder. And Harbo has graciously agreed, after serving faithfully a term in the session, to come back just to get us through the transition. So we'll be looking for your help to get to the next longer-term person in that role. But we will accept Harbo's um, kind invitation to fill the gap in between. And we need to act on that as a, as a congregation. So with that, I would entertain a motion to reinstall Harbo as an active elder in the church. So moved by Sandy, and I see Diane seconding. Uh, I... I'm required to ask for any nominations from the floor. And Harbo, please don't start nominating other people to fill, <laughs> to fill in for you. <laughs> any other nominations? If people come to mind, though, those you know in this church who have financial acumen, maybe have served that role in a nonprofit before, we would love to have their name. It's hard right now in COVID because we're about the third of the church we usually are. So we need everybody who can to step up and pitch in. So if you're that person for finance or some of the other roles, uh, please reach out or if you have an idea. Well, hearing no nominations, uh, noticing I didn't leave much room for them. Um, all in favor, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? The motion carries. And Harbor, we give you thanks for that service. And as I'm called to do, I will offer a, a, a prayer to close this congregational meeting. Uh, by the way, I, I have to mention every time we have a meeting, if you want to see the minutes from prior meetings, just contact the clerk or contact me, and I can make that available. Let us pray. Holy One, we are amazed at every turn that when we have a need, you provide us with someone or something that can fulfill that need. We give thanks for Ron's service and all those who serve this glorious church. We give thanks for Harbo's return to service, and we ask that you bless him and all the elders leading in this terribly difficult time, that you would give them the resources you need. God, inspire each of us to step up and serve in ways that we are equipped to do so, maybe even taking a step out in faith to explore a new area. Bless us all as we hold this important community together and walk side by side in doing your ministry in this precious world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our closing hymn is number 522. <laughs> shall not thirst no 
the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you this day, be with you every day. Amen. You're welcome.